Andy, Van, thank you guys. Uh, these guys have jumped in, moved all around. That guy usually drums over there. Dickie usually, oh, he's hanging out with his wife and kids. This guy, tell me your name again. Jonathan. Jonathan. How could I forget that? <laughs> Good. Married a year ago, honeymoon in France for a year. Actually, he worked in France, but over there and jumped in today with us playing. So thank you for jumping in with us, Jonathan. Andy, thanks for leading. Uh, in a couple of weeks, our guy who will be here full-time for us, uh, working on Sundays, uh, Matt Herndon will be here. He's been at camp uh, all summer at Canacuck, so we um, let him go home to his uh, wonderful state of Florida and say goodbye to his mom and dad, and then he'll be here in a couple of weeks. Uh, so thank you guys. Kevin will be up next week. You guys will recognize Kevin from earlier in the summer, and uh, he'll be leading for us next week. So thank you guys for jumping in and serving, which is uh, the way that I will get into the message today. If you'll see your little worship guide says, why me? Uh, my real question is, why not you? Why wouldn't the Lord use you and your gifts and your talents to be used by him to do what he wants to do to glorify his name? And no better way to do that than to use uh, each of us to do that. So that is why me and why you. In Matthew twenty twenty eight, he says this, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So I want you to think about this for just a second is that here's Jesus, <clears throat> the son of God. He has all power given to him to be able to do what I call the zapping factor. At any point in time, he could have used his zap, I'm, I'm God, and kind of done what he needed to do to effectively change culture and change what was going on at that point in time. But there was a purpose that God had set for him. And that purpose was obviously for all of us, it was his death and his resurrection, which gives us life, which gives us freedom, which gives us a relationship with God, our father, and to have that relationship restored that was broken from the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve, it gives us that relationship to be with God, our father for eternity. So when we look at what Jesus did and the zapping factor, which he did not use to his own effect or his own ability or to his benefit, he had a purpose in what he did. And so when we read this scripture and we see what he said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to what? To serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. Galatians 5.13 says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in what? In love. First Peter 4.10. Each one of you should use whatever gift he has received <clears throat> to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. Jesus, arguably the greatest leader that, that we could probably comprehend, that we can understand, that we can read about, that we can look in history, came and says that he came to serve. And there's some great principles that we're going to learn about that. We're going to learn how that applies to us, how we put that into what I consider practical application for our life today and what that looks like. Let me give you guys a <clears throat> little story. Postman worked in, a, in an office, a post office up in Illinois. His job was to process all the mail that had uh, difficult writing, legible. It couldn't be really understood. 
and he was supposed to deal with those addresses. One day, a letter came to his desk. It was addressed in a shaky handwriting to God. He thought, I better open this one and see what it's all about. So he opened it and he read it and said this, Dear God, I'm an 83-year-old widow living in a very small pension. Yesterday, someone stole my purse. It had $100 in it, which was all the money that I had until my next pension check. Next Sunday's Easter. I had invited two of my friends over for dinner. Without that money, I have nothing to buy food with. I have no family to turn to, and you are my only hope. Can you please help me? Well, that moved the postal worker. So he went around to all the other guys, ladies in the post office, and they ended up collecting $96. The rest of the days, all the worker felt warm glow that they had done something nice, right? Easter came and it went. A few days later came a letter from the old lady to God. All the workers gathered around while the letter was open and it read, Dear God, how can I ever thank you enough for what you did for me? Because of your generosity, I was able to fix a lovely dinner for my friends. Doesn't that sound like an 83-year-old? Lovely. A lovely dinner for my friends. We had a very nice day and I told my friends of your wonderful gift. By the way, There were $4 missing. It was no doubt those thieves at the post office. (laughs) Isn't it just like a church and isn't it just like people that we say, hey, here's what serving is. Hey, give of yourself. Hey, we understand that, that you work a real job, but we want you to give of yourself and volunteer and help here with the kids or the youth or the parking lot or whatever and do that. And yet still you get that done and there's still that feeling of not being appreciated. I mean, you, you've probably sensed that or done that. Generally, generally there is usually A blessing, though, that comes from serving and from helping other people. Now, sometimes something like that happens, but it's very rare. Generally, there's something that you feel and that's received and and it's nice and all tied up in a bow. And it's like, oh, that, that was right. Proverbs 11, 17 says this. A kind man benefits himself, but a cruel man brings trouble upon himself. Proverbs 11, 25. A generous man will prosper He who refuses others will himself be refreshed. Here's my quote of the day, Jonathan quote of the day. We don't do good things for others in order to be blessed by God. We do good things because God commands us to be servants to one another. The side benefit, the side benefit is that we get a blessing. And you and I both know that that feels good. That's a nice warm fuzzy. But the truth is, is it's a way that God showed us in his own son, Jesus. See, and you guys will hear me harp on this and harp on this. But, but when, when I was a young guy going in the ministry, I sat down with a fellow who, who was kind of the youth minister guru. And he said, hey, this is, how, this is how I teach. This is what I do, is I do something that's very biblical. I'm going, that's good to know. You're in the ministry. That would really help me. That's how you do youth ministry. He said, you know, if you look at what Jesus did, he would, he would show people how to do it first. And then he would invite them to do it with the disciples did it with him. Hey, let me show you. Hey, disciples, come do it with me. And then I will watch you do it. 
By the way, that's a great way to teach. Show it. Let them do it with you and then watch them and observe them doing that. So that's what we need to do. So what, what you and I need to understand is that, the, that there is a blessing that we get from that, but that's not why we do it. That's just the benefit. That's, the, that's what I call the icing on the cake. Carl Albert, who is, um, he was the German entrepreneur basically who, who, who was the main man. He and his brother were the main man that started a company that you guys will recognize called Aldi. The food chain, right? In 2010, his, uh, his worth as the richest man in Germany was $21.5 billion. And this is a statement he said about serving. If you're not serving the customer, you better be serving someone who is. If you're not serving the customer, you better be serving someone who is. Now, let me ask you this. If if someone, and I have no idea if, he, if he's a believer in Christ or not, but his company motto right there, if, if you're not going to serve the customer, find someone and serve them who is serving the customer. If that's what a secular business would do and has a successful model in that, why would we not do that as followers of Christ who have something incredible named Jesus that has transformed and changed our lives? Why would we not understand that that's a great way to do it? That's a great way for people who might not even know Christ to see something different in us by serving them. We should all be in the serving business. We should be quick to serve. I've always kind of believed that there's kind of two kinds of people. They're givers and they're takers. And by the way, since I'm the baby of my family... My family always told me that I was a taker. Okay? I know I'm being a little vulnerable with y'all. But I was a taker. My wife tends to tell me that I am a taker. That, hey, somebody else will do it for me? That's great. So that tends to be kind of the way I roll. I like to believe, even though it's not a biblical gift, but I kind of have promoted this for myself, that I have the gift of receiving you guys want to take me out to eat, play golf, whatever? I'll take that. Thank you. It's great. So how is it that that's my personality? That's just happened to be the pecking order that I was born in. How is it that I'm supposed to have that mentality of serving and understanding? It's by this, is that when Jesus Christ came into my life, then the scripture says that I'm a new creation. And so what might not be natural is something that I have to continue to die to self and allow more of him and less of me because more of me is selfish, self-centered, and would probably say, hey, I'm number one. But more of him is serving. And more of him is that servant heart. And more of him is servanthood leadership is what I'd like to describe it as. And the reason that I'm using this message today for our church is because as we continue to, to kind of go along, here we are starting out with two services. Well, we did that a week early this year because what we noticed last year is that it makes us all uncomfortable when the college students get here and we're in one service. Because they take up our parking spots and they eat all the donuts and they're taking up your seats. Right? Hello? And then that gets us uncomfortable because it's hard to park on the hill and that's a long walk down the rocky road or down the grass. I got you. I, I'm, I know. 
That's not fun, right? And so the reason I'm saying that is because we have to check our attitude before the controlled chaos starts next week. And we need to see who we are and what we're about because it's happening whether y'all are ready or not. By the way, if you hadn't noticed, it's already got a little bit more traffic in town. Have y'all noticed that? Yes? People from other states don't know how to drive. We're all great here. I mean, I know we know how to drive. Frank Gratson said this, the more people you undertake to serve, listen, the more effective you will be. Commit to serving everyone and use that maximum effectiveness by serving. What, what would it be like, honestly, what would it be like if we had that same mentality that Mother Teresa had? Do you see what she did is that she, she went to a place that had the, considered the lowest of life, and she started serving in that community, and she started serving by, again, what the scripture says, by serving by love. And yet all of us probably at least know who Mother Teresa is. That reputation. If you got your scripture, you can turn with me. If not, it'll be up here on the back. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. If you have any encouragement for being united with Christ, if there's any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient even to the point of death on the cross." Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, and he gave him the name above every name, that the name of Jesus every, na- every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So if we are followers of Christ, and if we are trying to find ourselves to say, how do we take what he is as a servant, as a servant leader, and how do we apply that? What does that look like for us? Here's what I know. The biggest lesson that we all need to learn from God isn't, you guys, that God put us here for us. He didn't put us here for ourselves. He put us here for him, and he put us here for others. And what's cool about the way that God did this is as a result, if we listen and do and understand the way he talks about being a servant is that we do get the blessing of that, that we get the, we, we get the incredible response from that, but it's not about us first. It's about others according to what we just read. And he says this, that, that if we are, if, 
if you want to say it, united in Christ, if, if we, we have this relationship with God and, and we, we understand it through his son, Jesus, then what do we do? What does it say we do? In verse three, he says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only at your own interests, but also the interest of others. So then we do what? We humble ourselves. Listen, I love the Olympics. I, I, I love, there's something that's unique about, about taking the athletic side and then putting, uh, put, putting it in, it's in for your country. I mean, I, I like world championships and, you know, all the other kind of championships you can have, but you do it around the Olympics and there's something about that. And most of the Olympians say that as well, even if they've won other, other championships, there's something about it that when it's your whole country. But I got to tell you, and maybe it's because maybe it's because of this principle and this understanding of, of humbleness and, 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 and being a certain way as, as a follower of Christ. But I am attracted to those athletes that I see on there that are not doing about me. It's about themselves. I am attracted to those ones that say, man, look at this as a team. Look at what it did for the country. Look at look at how I'm I'm committed to, to what we did as, 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 a, as a corporate group, as my countrymen, as, as a, you know, whatever you want to call him. He's not a politician, but right at that point, you feel like, man, if he was to run for something, I'd vote for him. Why? Because he doesn't seem selfish. He doesn't seem, he, it doesn't seem like there's the selfish ambition. And y'all saw the ones that weren't. You saw the ones that made it all about them, you know? Doing, y'all know what I'm talking about. I, they made it about themselves. I am the greatest. I am a legend. I don't know why I did that with an accent. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. You know what I'm saying? They made it about them. Right? And I know there's pride and I know there's excitement about what they accomplished. But there's something about the humble person that's attractive. So, oh, Jonathan, that's old school. Not, actually, it's, it's, not, it's not old school. It's actually just the Bible. And the Bible talks about proud. And the Bible talks about haughtiness. And it talks about making it about us instead of others and him. And it tells us that in Philippians. And he says to humble yourself. Think more about others and what you can do for them. And he says if, if we're united with Christ, then, then we'll be what? said, this should be your attitude in, in, in verse five. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Then we'll be what? We'll be like Christ. We'll be like Christ in our attitude. We'll humble ourselves. We'll be like him in the fact that he, he was a servant. And you want to see a beautiful picture of this is think, think about this Jesus. Okay, he's supposed to be the man. And the disciples are supposed to be his followers and to serve him, right? And he turns around one day and after they've been you know, out there rugged, walking all this place and in the dirt. And I mean, that's their way of transportation then. And you think about sandals and I mean, how comfortable could they be at that point in time? And he takes a basin of water and a towel or a cloth and, and he washes those who are supposed to serve him. He washes their feet. That's a pretty big deal. And that's what Jesus did. Now, let me, let me just, I know some of y'all are your own bosses in here, but let me flip that just a little bit for us to think about today. What if your boss came in tomorrow at work 
And his, old, his whole objective and what he thought and way he wanted to, to consider what was going on was by making you successful and by, was, by, by, by way of serving you and helping you. That's weird. Right? I mean, if your boss came in tomorrow and said, hey, how can I help you today? What can I, what can I do to help you be more successful and to get you to hit the numbers you need to hit? I mean, that's what this is. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. What if that were to happen as, as, as your workplace? How would that make you feel as an employee? How would that make you work if that's what your boss did? Hey, let me ask, come in here. What, what can I do to, to help your area be more successful? What can I do to, or what if they just took initiative and they just automatically did some things that helped your area? To be more successful. See, that's that's what he's talking about here. Give you this definition of a servant. Someone who gets excited about making other people successful. Someone who gets excited about making other people successful. One of the things that I desire for our church is that we would we'd use this terminology, servant leadership. And that servant leadership would be just as I described it, that we would learn to serve, even as the leaders of this church, that we would learn to serve you. And and, and in the result that you're serving, and that that becomes a culture of our church is that we serve each other and we help each other. And as followers of Christ, that's what the body does is, is we minister to each other. But not only that, the beauty of what happens and the effectiveness of what happens from serving is that our family and our friends and our coworkers start seeing that difference in our life. And let's be honest, that's, that's not something that's really culturally accepted as, hey, let's all serve each other and help each other out. Y'all know that one day a year that, you know, whatever our Christian radio station is, quite honestly, I'll usually listen to another station that has a little bit more harder music going on the keg. And so I, it's my age. Okay. It's just got some good stuff. And I flip it back and forth when I need the Jesus stuff, but we do that. We do that Christian thing once, once, um, sorry, we do that Christian deal once a, like a year and it's uh, hang on. Uh, pay is it pay it forward is that what isn't that what they get us to do on the radio and like so we're in chick-fil-a line and and we pay for ours and pay for the person behind us and then the person drives up going hey what's going on oh that person paid paid for your meal oh that's great can i have two well i mean you're right so we do the whole pay it forward thing right what i mean if we thought about it this way how 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 do we apply this to our life and really think through that, that we would do things in a way that other people, not because we're, we're trying to gain attention, but because we actually want to serve and we care for people that way, that they would see a difference in our life. Man, that, that's sort of radical, but it's actually biblical. And that's what he says to us is, I want you to serve. I was talking to two college guys this summer who they did their internships. I think one was at Tyson, one with J.B. Hunt. And I kind of got them, said, hey, you know, what'd you learn from this summer? What was it like? What, what was it about? It's like, 
man, I mean, that's a lot of work. So we're like, well, what's a lot of work? I mean, it's a lot of time working. I mean, it's like 730 and you get off at like six and then you're like doing this whole a lot of work. I got the work thing. But here's what I caught from it that was so awesome. Both these guys, and I met with them separately as they were saying, man, I really have an appreciation for like my dad, my mom, and, and, and that, I mean, my dad would still coach my, my baseball team or my football team or would come to my games because that's a lot of work and you're tired. So like, what do you mean you're tired? Well, I mean, you, you get home from that and instead of going out and doing something, you just want to go to bed because you got to wake up the next day and, and do it again. It's a lot of work and, and the appreciation that those guys spoke of for their parents. And I thought that was a neat testimony because they recognized, hey, this is work and, and yet here's what my parents did for me and they cared for me and, and, they're, and they're understanding, hey, the culture that they're about to go in and what that looks like, Right. But then I want you to know, church family, we, we understand that even as a church is like we ask you to serve and we say, hey, be a servant, lead a small group for us, help us with college or youth or back here in the kids or whatever. We ask you to do all those things, but we understand something that you got your regular work and then you volunteer and you give of your time and your effort to this church and to serve and to serve each other and to love on each other. And, and that's a big deal. And by the way, I, I understand that that's not easy. That isn't easy after you have the week that you have and then you still give yourself somewhere to to serve in our church. And thank you for that. But I also want us to understand that I I know it's not easy, but but Jesus didn't say it was going to be easy, did he? Amen or oh me? (laughs) He just said we're to do it. And so that's what we're to do. We're to serve. Winston Churchill said this, we make a living by what we are. I'm sorry. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. You might want to write that one down. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Matthew 5, 14 and 16. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. See, guys, I'm not compelling you this morning. I'm not telling you to be a servant leader because if you're a servant leader, you're a good Christian and all the people will see your deeds. I'm saying this this morning. I'm asking you to pray about being a servant leader through the life of Christ and through what he wants to do in your life because of this, that if you're doing it through his strength and his power instead of a checklist, you're going to find it rewarding and you're going to find it to be a blessing to others, which in the long run ends up blessing us. And you end up being a light. You end up being a testimony. It tells us in in Proverbs 26 this. Many a man proclaim his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? Jonathan's interpretation is this. Actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. 
The reason that I brought the message this morning is because in a week, it begins around here as a church. And you guys, in a, in a week, the college kids come back and, 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 and it changes the dynamic of our church. It changes us to two services. It changes our parking. But there's also needs that are incredible around here that I just I share with you because of where we are as a church, that our culture needs to be changed from being a consumer culture to being a producing culture. By the way, I'm not playing politics, though you could probably translate that if you'd like. We need to become a producing, a serving culture instead of a consumer culture as a church because there are people in need all around us. So what that means is this. In a minute, the band's going to come up. In fact, you guys can go ahead and start coming this way. Everybody has a uh, white card that should be around you somewhere. They're usually uh, left for our guests. So everybody grab one. Go ahead. We're all going to do a white card today. Now, the good news is you can fake being a servant leader today. You can fill it out and just drop it in. And we have your current information that we need for our database so that we know how to get a hold of you. So you can fake it. But what I truly would ask you to do is, as we've talked about what a servant is this morning, as these guys lead us in a song in just a minute, I'm asking you just to pray. Lord, where, where, where do I need to be? Listen, we're going to be talking to you guys in the next few months about our mission of our church, about how we do church, and why we do it the way we do. And we're going to be asking things like this for, for some of our college kids. They're desiring to have a mentor in their life. And you're going to like, okay, not meant for that one. If that's probably you, you're not meant for that one. You might say, hey, Jonathan, you ask about the kids in the back. Hey, I don't want you working with kids if you don't like kids. That doesn't help the kid, and it doesn't help the parent that picks up the kid. Got it? But what I do know is this, is that all of us have a gift and the Lord wants us to use it. Some's back here leading in worship. Some's back there, you know what, I can pick up a red cone and I can move it and tell people where to park in a nice way. Right? This is all I'm asking you to do. Today, you fill the card out for us. You tell us, Lord, I think this is where I'm interested. Kids, babies, ushering welcoming, whatever it is, fixing the coffee. The Lord knows I'm not good at that. Whatever it is, because you're doing it under the Lord. And then we'll simply do this. Our job is to contact you back and to say, hey, you know what? You said you're interested in this. Can we follow up and see if we can plug you in? Is that going to be a right fit for you? Is that work? Is there another area we need to look at? And that's simply what we're going to do. All right. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thanks for today. Thank you for your scripture in Philippians that tells us, Lord, that you humbled yourself. And Lord, that's what we ask for is humbleness. Lord, we don't want any more or less than you have for us. But Lord, we definitely want all that you have for us. And the way that we know that we can do that is by humbling ourselves and by serving like you did. So, Lord, in this next few moments for, for everybody here 
Lord, that can hear me right now, God, may this not be manipulation. May it not be guilt. May it not be from anything that I've said other than using the scripture, uh, Lord, to speak to us. Would your Holy Spirit just lead each of us in a place that we might be willing to help out or to do what you need us to do for the betterment of your kingdom through our church? Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. We ask it in your name.